Pastor Perry's going to preach and take us into the next part of our, our Beatitude series. And I'm going to do this again. I know it's a repeat, and, but I just feel like we're fine. We're supposed to, and I know you're going to talk a little bit about it in your message. But <clears throat> Pastor Perry had a rough week, and um, we schedule this ahead of time now. We have this preaching schedule and where we try to keep everybody at a healthy pace and make sure nobody's going too much. And He was actually supposed to preach last weekend, and then we switched because... He's like an expert baptizer, and he didn't want to preach wet, and I'm selfish, and I want to preach on baptism weekend, so it worked out. <laughs> we did a little trade, and then this week, Pastor Perry lost a good friend, a childhood friend, um, who wandered away from Jesus, and you had the opportunity to, in the hospital, kind of point him back to Jesus and pray with him, and I just think that's so beautiful. You're so gifted at that. You're so good at that. I remember walking into a hospital with you one time as a family was going through a crisis, and they were losing a family member. A lady in our church was losing her father. And I'm just telling you, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. And Pastor Perry's like, here's what we do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to say this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus, for this man. And um, so, yes. Yeah. So he's going to preach through pain this morning. And we all have to do that sometimes. It's not easy. And, um, and I know it's a struggle for you to get this message ready. Um, but I love you and I'm proud of you. And um, I gave him a chance, y'all. I'm not heartless. I was like, do you want me to preach? He was like, no, I got it. All right, so stretch your hands towards Pastor Perry this morning. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to anoint him as he, as he brings the word. Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, Perry today as he preaches your word, as he shares. I know it's a short message, and, but it, the length does not match with the anointing. I know it's something you've put in his heart to say, that you give him clarity to share this morning about the purity of our hearts. And as he grieves the loss of a friend and... Even though we're celebrating he's in heaven, it still hurts. It still hurts to see people that we love and care about leave this life and move on to the next. So, Holy Spirit, strengthen him. Give him comfort and encouragement today as, as he speaks on your behalf. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Said? Amen. 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 I forgot Amen. to say one other thing before I give it to you. Were you coming in for a hug? Because I yeah, felt I like I looked right. like you were doing like the Pauls, that, that, like that, that greet was, each other with a brotherly awkward. kiss. Yeah. I'm like, hey, dude. No, no. Hey. <laughs> hey. I love you. I don't know if I love you that much. All right. Hey, the reason I just did that just now, one of the reasons is this is a tension that we're trying to figure out as a, as a team, as a church. They say that when an organization gets larger than 200 people, that you're no longer a family, you're an organization. And um, there's about three to 400 of you that worship on a weekend. When you all, when you all show up on the same weekend, like Easter, there's, there's eight, 900, close to 1,000 of you. Because a lot of people come once every four weeks, once every six weeks, uh, which is cool. I'm not, I'm not beating you up on that. I wish you'd come more, but I get it, like work schedules and all sports and all that, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So the tension I'm feeling is the church is a spiritual family. So I'm committed to finding a way to continue to use family language, even though we're larger organizationally than a family. And so I think it's so important for us to even just to model that, to take a minute and say, hey, Pastor Perry, you're, you're dealing with some stuff. Let's pray for you. Yeah. Just like we'll have time at the end of service today to pray over your needs. So, hey, would you all join me in just living in that tension? Like, I think it's a good, healthy tension. God is building his, his house. He's building his family but I don't, I don't need it to feel like a business. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so love you. Come on, give Pastor Perry some love. He's going to bring the word. It's going to be fantastic. All right, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, and you will hear a lot 
uh, I was thinking during the first service that if I was back in college and I was preaching that message before my professors that I would have miserably failed the elocution and everything else that I was supposed to do in that. Uh, and I appreciate the church. This is one of, the, one of the things that I hear other people say about our church is that uh, we're very transparent. And uh, you've heard Pastor Michael, I know, last year in uh, losing his father-in-law and, and some of the stuff that he, you know... He, he preached, and it was, it was hard. It was raw. And I did. I, left, I left my, lost my best childhood friend. Uh, we were the rascals of Dagsboro, you know, on our little spider bikes riding up and down, terrorizing. Um, I would, you know, I could tell stories all day of some of our Halloween events that uh, some places just needed it. They needed cleaning, so we supplied the soap and stuff like that. And uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I actually one time won 20 bucks from all of my friends. I soaped a police car with the policeman in it. Um, I did have to do something later because of that. But, uh, but that was my buddy. We, we did a lot of mischief together. Uh, but... My buddy, uh, I'll talk a little bit later, is also the one who brought me to Christ. And um, so I'll talk about it. But today, today uh, I'm going to jump around. And listen, we're going to skip a lot of scripture and stuff. Uh, don't blame Pastor Michael, you know, uh, for that. I knew he was giving all of these announcements. We talked about it. We planned it. And I'm a scripture guy, so I threw a bunch of scriptures. Go to the app. I'm going to skip over some of them. Uh, just for the sake of time, uh, not that they're not important. They're very important. That's why you need to go home and read them. Uh, but we're talking about the Beatitudes, and we'll jump right in. Matthew 5, 8, the next one in line. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, one of the things I've discovered, uh, Pastor, I don't know if you've done this or not in the study of this, is I've preached about the Beatitudes before over the last 40 years preached a lot about it where I would mention them and they look so self-explanatory that, that you just look at them and go, oh yeah, that's what that means. And then you start chiseling down into it and I'm not going to really get as deep as I would like to because I just felt the Lord leading me another way. But there's a lot to these. I mean, you could take some of these and preach three weeks on just one of them. You know, so uh, do some study on that. It's fun. So blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And it's talking about there, the pure in heart, a heart that thinks about what is right, that loves what is good, and that desires the very best. There's sometimes I don't find my heart saying that. My heart doesn't always look for the, the best or desires what is good uh, or, or, or what is right. Sometimes it desires other things, and we'll talk about that uh, in, in just a little bit. But blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, listen, the, the, the church has been really good at trying to produce a purity of heart. And they've done it the wrong way. We've talked about this before. Uh, matter of fact, one of uh, the first sermons I preached at True Life 
uh, I believe it was called permission slip, and that God gives us a permission slip to do some things, you know. Uh, but I was raised in a church where we had a lot of list of rules, and I, I've said that before. And those, those instructions, man, you had to read them. Like one of the things was, uh, I had a hard time with this. Uh, we were against couple, people swimming with the opposite sex, which when you're raised at the beach, you know, that's where my home was near the beach, that's hard to do. Only they didn't put it that way. In their teachings, it said, we are against mixed bathing. I'm like, well, cool. As long as we don't get in a bathtub together, I've got that rule taken care of. Mixed bathing. Uh, I understand that. Okay. Uh, so we had a lot of rules. So I looked up some rules on some things and, and uh, for the sake of time, I decided not to bring the pictures of it. So just trust me. These are things you can Google them yourself. You ever, you ever pick up a product, you're going to buy it, and you read the instructions, and it has this dumb thing of not to do with it? You're like, who is that stupid? Well, I'll tell you who's that stupid. They put it there because somebody did it and then sued the company because they did it. Like, here's one on a hair dryer. Do not use while sleeping. All of you out there, I don't have to worry about that. So, uh, on a child's stroller, actual label, remove child before folding. <laughs> this is for our hospitality team. On a coffee pot, do not hold over people. <laughs> for all of our fishermen, this is on a package with a three-hook uh, fishing hook. Uh, a three-pronged fishing hook, harmful if swallowed. <laughs> on, on a drill, a carpenter's drill, uh, this is a, it, like you have around the house, do not use as a dental drill. <laughs> you, you laugh, but <laughs> Penny and I were talking to somebody one time and she was getting ready to have some dental work done. And you know, have you ever like broke a tooth and you have like that little sharp thing that your tongue always finds? And we were talking to somebody and the person we were talking to said, oh yeah, I had that problem, so I got my Dremel. <laughs> do not use it. Here, here's one that's favorite. Uh, I, I can remember at Christmas, we used to do the children's programs and you would order these t-shirts and they had the iron-on decals that you could iron them on. And this is the label on that. Do not iron while wearing. <laughs> so, listen, we're going we're to talk a little bit to find out what pure of heart is. We're going to talk about what purity is, is not, okay? Um, what, 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 what that is, is not. And listen, purity of heart does not mean that we're never going to have a bad thought. It doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up now and then. That's not what purity is. It's not a list of rules and regulations that if you wear this or cut this or go here or don't go there, then you're pure. You can do all of those things and not be pure. In, in 1 John 1, 8, it says that uh, if we say that we're without sin, we deceive ourselves. So we, we all have that. Uh, and it's more than purity, uh, if we get down to it, it's more than an image. Uh, years ago, there was an advertising slogan for Canon cameras. Uh, and I believe it was Andre Agassi at that time, the tennis star. And they were taking pictures of him. And, and in the uh, thing, the, the slogan was, 
uh, image is everything. Anybody remember that? Image is everything. And I think sometimes in the church world, we've been that way. Image is everything. We do it growing up. I mean, you know, like kids. <laughs> your, your kids has, has never played a sport. They've never dribbled a basketball. They've never swung a bat. They've never played volleyball. They've never done anything but played Nintendo or whatever the games are uh, out there. You might say, you're really old. Maybe it's still a thing. I don't know. Uh, but uh, they've never done that. They've done, but they've got to have that $200 pair of sneakers because why? <laughs> you know, you can have bedroom slippers if that's all you're going to do is stay in front of the TV. Why do you have to have them? Not so they can make you run faster and jump higher. That used to be a slogan for sneakers, by the way. Uh, the, uh, not, not that you could do any of that, but so that you would look cool in front of the other kids, you got to have that. We do it as adults. Ladies, you got to have that certain handbag. You know, guys, you know, you got to have, I don't know what, maybe the tennis shoes. Brand new ones today. My wife got them on sale. You know, sketchers are the way. That's it if they're on sale. Uh, <laughs> but listen, we, we get these image things. And in Christianity, if we're not careful, we get the image thing. I remember going actually to a grow conference years ago. And I was going in there and I was going, youth pastor, youth pastor, youth pastor, youth. They all have the faux, the faux hawk, you know. And then the youth pastor. We get these images about certain things. Not bad. But that doesn't define who we are, just the image. We'll do strange things to make us look a certain way or to create a certain image, even though it's not real. And if we're not careful, it goes into our relationships. We'll come to church. We'll come to a Thrive conference, to a marriage conference, and we'll smile and we'll act like everything is really good and we'll talk the good talk and our marriage is crumbling and we won't be honest enough to get the help that we need during something like that. Purity of heart isn't about that image, not at all. And again, listen, purity of heart does not mean that you'll never, again, have that bad thought. Again, I'm jumping. Please forgive me today uh, because this isn't going to be most organized, but hopefully it will touch the part that we need it to, to touch. And there's a scripture which I already read. But let's look at this. Pure in the, in the Greek, it's katharos, which simply means clean, and pure, clean and pure. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about the image. I run across this when I was Googling stuff for the other things. Uh, one of the images that people get uh, is, is like in their vehicles. I, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed, you know, like with some of the vehicles that are out there, like, you know, it's like super trucks. It's got like giant tires and four-wheel drive and this and that and there and it is never going to leave the pavement now pastor michael has one but he pulls this great big trailer with it so he needs that you know with that plus he likes trucks you know 
But there's some guys that I got to spend all this money. And it is never going to leave. You wouldn't even think of leaving the pavement. And if it's snowing outside, even though you got four-wheel drive, you're going to take the car because you don't want that slush all over your truck. Well, they have a product. And, and <laughs> Google it. It's real. It's called spray on mud. <laughs> and you go to your truck and you spray it so it looks like you've been out mudding. Well, we do that so many times in our lives. We spray on Christianity. This is the way I'm supposed to look. This is the way I'm supposed to act. Uh, it's the reverse of the spray on mud. Listen, Jesus, he emphasized the heart of man. Jesus never said, do this or do that, and it'll make you a better Christian on the outward things about that. You don't see him doing that at all. He emphasized... He emphasized the heart of man. And listen, the controversy that Jesus had with the Pharisees was due to the fact that they put an emphasis on the outward man while he put an emphasis on the inside of man. So we're going to go through some scriptures here. And again, speed reading here. It says, woe unto you. Now listen, he is talking to the Pharisees here. Okay? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. You make clean the outside of the cup but, uh, and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Can you imagine that talking right to them? And then he says, thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, and that the outside of them may be clean also. Think, would you like to come to my house if I hand you a bowl of soup? The soup looks really good. The bowl looks beautiful. But as I'm pouring it in your bowl, you look inside and you can see yesterday's lunch, you know, stuck to the side of the bowl. You know, that's what Jesus was saying to him. And then he says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I like how he lists them here, you know. Yeah, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, whatever, you know, you are. For you are like the whited sepulchers, which indeed, somebody asked me this one, what is, what is that, what is that, what is, what is the sepulcher? Well, I remember an old man in the church one time, he was doing a Bible study, leading the Bible study, and uh, he got to that word, and he, he didn't have a concordance or anything to look it up, and he said, you know, you're like the whited sepulchers. And somebody in the Bible said, he said, what is it? He said, well, it's about these bones. Why did sea parkers are these birds? <laughs> and they feed on bones. <laughs> no, sepulcher is a tomb. It's a grave. So he said, you're like whited sepulchers, but you're full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. And then he says, even so, ye also uh, outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Uh, listen, uh, their whole concern were the actions of man. Jesus was concerned with the, with the attitudes and the, uh, uh, that provoked the actions. You know, when I pray for people, a lot of times you'll hear me say a phrase if I pray for you, uh, Lord, right to the source. You know, if you come up and you say, I've had this nagging cough, I've had this, you know, I'm going to pray, Lord, go right to the very source of it. Heal them. Not just, not just the things on the outside. You know, if somebody's like, man, I just, you know, I lost my temper and I yelled at my wife or my kids, you know, well, okay, let, let's get down to the source of it. 
You know, forgive me for yelling, but yeah, okay, forgive for yelling, but why are you angry? What's the source of it? And Jesus, even with their actions, he wanted to know, why are you this way? It's the inside. Now, when he made that platter, when he talked about it, think about it. You don't want to eat anything. Jesus said, you need to be like the bowl that's clean on the inside first. You know, when I clean like plates, if I'm washing them by hand, uh, I'm, I'm going to start with the dirtiest inside of that bowl. I'm going to work to the outside of it. You know, most of the time, by the time I get the inside done, there's, you don't even see anything. I'll wash it anyway. Uh, but you do that. Jesus said, take care of the inside. The outside will take care of itself. But if I had to choose between the two, if I was starving and I really needed something to eat, give me the bowl that's clean on the inside. All right? We can work on the outside later. Proverbs, Solomon said this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If your heart is pure, what flows from it is going to be pure and holy. If your heart is not pure, what comes out of it is not going to be pure or holy. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you got dirt in, dirt's going to come out. Now, <laughs> I'm going to skip through this next section of scripture, but I'm just going to describe it to you. Look it up in your notes. So here, here's the short version of it. Jesus, again, he's talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say, this is my translation. Hey, look, Jesus, your disciples did not wash their hands properly before they ate. You know, that's me sometimes. You know, Pastor, you're just nasty. I am a hunter. <laughs> I was raised on a farm. Yes, I wash my hands. But you got to stop somewhere or it's a whole bath, you know. <laughs> but he said, Gee, the, the Pharisees, they called him because it was this ritualistic thing they had to do. They said, your disciples are breaking the law. They're not, they're not cleansing properly. They're not washing properly. And Jesus flips it on them. He says, well, you know, the Bible says to honor your father and mother. But you guys break that because you add something onto it. You say that it is for their own good that I am saying this. Let me put it in the day's translation. Somebody looks at you and says, now no offense intended. <laughs> How many know you're getting ready to get offended <laughs> when, when they say, no offense intended, but the disciples were saying, or Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, listen, you're talking about my guys didn't wash properly? You know, that, that they broke the law. You guys are dishonoring your mom and dad and because you say, but it's for their own good that it's okay to do that and you go on your merry way. It doesn't work that way. And listen, stop, that. no offense. In t Imagine right now, if you're a, a, a new mother and you bring your baby up later to be prayed for and Pastor Perry, being the compassionate guy that I am, looks at this brand new baby and I look down in the, in, in, in the stroller and I go, oh, Look, no offense intended, but that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen. Oh, no, no, you can't be offended because I said not to. You know, no, I didn't intend to offend. Yes, I did. Well, Jesus, that's what he said to the Pharisees. And, and let me see if I can find it. I, I'm going to skip through the scripture here a little bit. Um, 
<laughs> the disciples said to Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you say that? <laughs> I love it. Uh, we did a Bible study years ago, a men's group I was in, and it was just called the sarcasm of Jesus. <laughs> Matthew alone kept us busy because he's like in their face all of the time. It's a great, it was a great study. So listen, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying that true relationship with God is not outward rituals, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Uh, when, when I spoke years ago on, on permission slip, I, I talked about the rules in the church, like I said, no mixed bathing. But one of the things when I got saved in the early 70s uh, that people had problems with were uh, women wearing makeup, women wearing jewelry, women with short hair. You know, a lot of these rules are always about women. Uh, <laughs> the men are making the rules most of the time. Women, you know, and uh, uh, the men thing was you, you couldn't have long hair. Uh, well, thank God I had a pastor that wasn't like that, you know, but, uh, because I would have been thrown out of the church day one and, uh, I don't have to worry about that now. I must be really holy. Uh, but I shared with you a song. So bear with me with my crackly voice today, but there used to be gospel groups. Anybody remember the gospel groups from travel around? If you had somebody could play guitar and somebody could play piano and harmonize just a little bit and someone owned a van, you had a gospel group. And they would go around and sing, and some of them were good. Some of them were, God bless them. <laughs> but they had this one song, true song. And it went like this. If your hair is too long, there is sin in your heart. Get it cut today and make a new start. Why go around in fear and dread? I can't do the tenor, but the tenor would kick in. With a shaggy mess upon your head. If your hair's too long, if your hair's too long, there is sin in your heart. I need Mark to help me on that one. You know, he could <laughs> that baritone thing in there. Make the inside of the cup clean. Make the inside. So let's move on here. Uh, the word pure. The word pure. We need to understand it means physically. We need to be physically pure. We do need to stay away from things that are unhealthy to us. We don't need to be doing things to our, our, our body that is harmful to us. You know, and when Jesus put things, when, the, when, when God put things in the scripture, uh, certain rules and things, there is a reason why you don't sleep around. There is a reason why you don't abuse drugs. There is a reason when he said, don't be drunk with wine. There is a reason for those things because you physically pay a price for it. Yes, and even overeating and other things, you pay a price for it. So we need to be pure physically. And that word pure, in the physical sense, it's broke up in two things in the Greek, means to be purified by fire or to be pruned like a vine so it can grow fruit. And then there is also an ethical side. 
of it. And ethically, we need to be free from corrupt desires. How do I do that? You get into the Word of God. You have a good and healthy prayer life. You, you, you stay away from things that would uh, uh, corrupt and put desires. Don't put evil things before your eyes. We need to be free from sin and guilt. Because even when we ask forgiveness for sin, the enemy wants to keep reminding us of our sin so we live in guilt and shame. And you need to be free from that because God has given you a pure heart. And we need to realize that with a pure heart, we can be blameless and innocent. But you don't know the things I've done. I'll talk about that in a moment with my buddy when I share some things about that. Because he felt like he could never be blameless. He could never be innocent again. And so ethically, we need those things. We need to, listen, we need, then it says that we will see God. We will see God. The promise to the pure in heart is that they shall see God. Now, listen, when, when, when you serve God and you're a Christian, your heart is right with him, uh, you, you, you have been uh, set free from your sin, you've confessed him as your Lord and Savior, you're going to see God someday. But I believe it's talking about more than just when we, when we die. You know, the basic purpose of a lot of religions is try to get them to see God, the God that they're talking about. Job asked, who by searching can find God to perfection? So listen, how do we do this? Listen, with a pure heart, you will see God in places that you never imagined before. When you got a pure heart, you will see God in places you never imagined before. It's just, it, it's going to happen. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. Uh, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise, but you've revealed them to little children. Do you know that God reveals stuff to us? I pulled in the parking lot this morning, and when I pulled in the parking lot, uh, Erica was out there, and I was walking by her, I turned around and got my camera, and I took a picture of the sun coming up over the trees. I said, isn't God neat? You know, <laughs> you can see God when your eyes are open and you've got a pure heart. You can see God in so many other things. So many other things. When Jesus, when Jesus promised that uh, the pure, pure in heart would see God, he was saying also that we would apprehend God. We would understand the things of God. Listen, Christians, uh, Christians see God where others do not. Christians can see God in the middle of anything. I was sitting in the hospital with the, with the, with the uh, hospice workers this week, and they were so wonderful, and they were so lovely, and so helpful, and, and they were being helpful to me once they found out I was a pastor, and I never went in addressing myself as that, uh, but uh, they found out I was a pastor. Oh, Pastor, pastor Perry, Pastor Perry, Pastor Perry, and I stopped one of them after a very critical moment one time, three of the ladies there. I said, I, I want you all to know something. Uh, watching you guys operate, you know... Not, not, not every minister stands behind a pulpit. And one girl started crying. She was a Christian. I said, what you guys do is minister to people every day, all the time. You know, it, it, we put these labels on things, you know. Not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's an evangelist. But I said, not everybody's a minister stands behind a pulpit. 
You girls are one. You know why? Because I could see God in what they were doing. I don't know if they were, I don't think they were all saved, but, but I could see God in what they're doing. Christians, Christians see God where others don't. We look at nature, we see him in circumstances. Pastor talked about the, the, the tough times we go through uh, a little earlier. You can see God in the middle of it. Matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, it, it would have been eight years since I stepped down as a senior pastor and true life started becoming my home. And, you know, those of you with me, you know that I was just a hot mess. I mean, I was, I was that. But you know what? I look back on it and I can see God. I can apprehend God in the middle of all of that. God lets us do that. When you see God, you also see people differently. Because you start to see people like God sees them. Instead of like the world sees them or like you want to see them. So we're going to move here just a little bit. Uh, read these later. The beatitude surely shows us that the fact that our only hope is in the grace of God. We fixed it. Thank you, Big Red. Appreciate it. Before it was spelled wrong, it was the garse of God. <laughs> it's by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. That's it. The grace of God. I'm here today because of the grace of God. I can have a pure heart because of the grace of God. But you sin. But I also have 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I can have a pure heart. But I know the stuff you did in your past. He doesn't. Because the Bible says he takes my sin and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness but I need to confess it and get it gone and get it out. The grace of God. So, what I want to share with you, my heart, and in praying, I really felt like in the first service, there were people that raised their hand and I just feel like I didn't want to preach today. I'll be honest. I spent the last two days out in the woods one day with with my buddy Mark and my son Joel and another friend Don of mine and I needed it we worked, we laughed, we carried on yesterday I spent the whole day by myself in the woods just mental health day and let me say if you're here and I had to cancel an appointment with you and I just put it off this whole past week has been just a blur um, I, I am really sorry I would do it again the same way, but I am really sorry that I had to do that. I mean that. Um, it's not because you weren't important. It's just my head wasn't in the right place to help anybody. And uh, I appreciate a pastor that gives the uh, freedom to get our head on straight. And uh, so let me tell you a, a little story about my buddy Greg. We were, again, we're the rapscallions of Dagsboro and got into trouble, got into mischief. We became best friends. It was one of those storybook friendships. I moved to the town that he was in. He was the top dog. He was alpha. I sat on the school bus in seventh grade by a girl just because there was an open seat. I didn't know it was his old girlfriend. Long story short... I ended up at his house one day after baseball practice. We were on the same team. 
and all we did was try to show each other up. His mom picked me up from practice. Who knew she knew my mom? And said, your mom can't pick you up. You're going to stay at my house for a few hours. Oh, and I got to go grocery shopping. Fast forward a little bit. Greg and I are in the backyard punching, wrestling, kicking, doing everything we could because we couldn't stand each other until neither one of us could whoop the other one. And we ended up kind of making a truce and became best friends. His house was my house and vice versa. If I messed up in his house, his mama would thump my head along with his. We were tight. He's the best man at my wedding. I remember for my bachelor party, he said, Perry, I didn't put it together, not because I didn't want to. It's just me and you, bud. You're moving off. You're going to be gone. I'm taking you out to a nice dinner. It's just going to be the two of us. I was fine with that. Um, in high school, Greg one day begged me and begged me and begged me to come to church. You think asking people to church isn't important? Asking your friends, your heathen friends, to come to church isn't important? Greg comes to school on a Tuesday. Perry, come to church with me. Perry, come to church. What, when did you start going to church? Sunday. <laughs> He's an experienced Christian, you know. <laughs> come on, come to church. Come to church, come to church, come to church. All stinking day long in school. I thought we were going to have another fight. And finally, it's like, for the love of God, I will go to church with you if you will shut up and leave me alone. And I go into church in the middle of a youth revival where 40 teenagers got saved in two weeks. And the altar call was given that night and I gave my heart to the Lord. Now we were tag teaming for Jesus. Man, mm. Well, years later, Greg turned his back on the Lord and walked away from the faith. Heavy drinking, drugs, Eventually, hard drugs, the hardest you can do. I stayed his friend. Pick him up, take him out to breakfast sometimes. Loaned him money a couple of times. Gifted him money a couple of times. I was there when his mama died. There the day before his dad died. Monday, his daughter calls me. The last time I saw Greg, let me back up a little bit, and please allow me, I'm going to do this without crying. The last time I saw Greg, we were, I took him out to breakfast, and we were talking. He'd been in trouble, front page of the newspaper. He got caught. And uh, I said, Greg... We just reminisce in talking about the mischief, laughing, carrying on. And I said, uh, Greg, man, we were young. We had some, we were the best of friends. And he stopped and he got dead serious. And he said, Perry, you're still my best friend. If you look at his Facebook page, it's me and him. And he said, I haven't had any friends since you. I've had a lot of associated people but not anybody that was a friend. Broke my heart. So Monday I go in and he barely can talk. His daughter, he called me. And so I talked to him about his soul. 
I said, Greg, is your heart right with God? Well, I'm going to let somebody else explain it. This is a way to keep from crying. Anybody here on Facebook, if you're not my friend on Facebook, don't wait for me to friend you. I, I have rejection issues. <laughs> so you have to request me because <laughs> if you don't answer back, I just really have a hard time. <laughs> but if you're on Facebook with me, I have an alter ego. <laughs> My alter ego is my Sussex County <laughs> conglomeration of me and others. And it, he's called Cousin Zeke. Does anybody ever seen Cousin Zeke before? Yeah, yeah, some of you. Cousin Zeke, I just go and have some fun with it and try to put a positive message. So yesterday I was sitting in the woods. I'd gone hunting and I had this little skit that I do. I had it all worked out. If you haven't seen Cousins, you can go on there. You want to go like three weeks ago, tracking a deer, trust me, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> or you'll be disgusted like my mother and disown me. Uh, but Cousin Zeke, I started out, I even had props to the side. And here's Cousin Zeke if you haven't seen him. <laughs> Pitiful. <laughs> Cousin Zeke talked like this, and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll see you directly. <laughs> but that's Cousin Zeke. But we worked this out. Sean helped a whole lot. It helped. He did it. <laughs> but this was my heart. In the middle of the thing, Cousin Zeke disappeared, and this happened. Go ahead. Hey, Cousin Zeke here. i tell you what, you know. <sighs> We're going to drop Cousin Zeke for just a minute or two here, give him a break. I just wanted to share that it's um, been a rough week. I said goodbye to one of my oldest friends this week. Watched him say goodbye to his family, to his kids, his uncle, his sister, holding the phone up to his ear so he could talk to them. My friend was wasted away to nothing, very sick. I talked to him about his soul, and he told me something. He said, I'm too bad. And I shared with him that God was bigger than any of his bad. Share with him that God loved him, and like the prodigal son, he's on the porch waiting for you. I told my friend, his name's Greg. I said, Greg, you take one step to him, and the father's off the porch, and his arms are around you. And Greg prayed with me. Wasn't long after that, a few hours after that, in the night, just me and him sitting in the room. I was holding, holding his hand. And he took his last breath and went on to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sad part is, because of addictions and some of the demons that he fought for most of his life, he had wasted so much of it, and he's so talented and such a great guy. I'm going to miss my buddy. I'm going to miss him a lot. So I'm just going to tell you, take a little time, find that old friend, maybe that family member that you've been on the outs with. Give him a hug, give him a call, talk to him. 
This life is very short. Greg, I'm going to miss you. Okay, kick your backside for the time you've wasted. But I will see you again, my friend. Love you. And all my Cousin Zeke fans, hang in there. He'll be back. Bye. with the fact that the things he did made him ineligible to receive God's love. That he was too far gone to ever have a pure heart. That God was done with him. And I think part of that was the religion that had been pumped into both of our minds when we were younger. When I told him, Greg, the Father is waiting. And you take one step. The Father is immediately there, throwing his arms around you, covering you with a robe, and making you part of the family. And I said, Greg, is the blood of Jesus weak? And he shook his head, no. That's when I said to him, God is bigger than your bad. And I'm telling you today, God is bigger than your bad. Some of you are struggling. Maybe you've come to church for a long time and, and you just keep like you fail. You feel like you're failing all the time and, and that you're failing because you've done so much wrong and you just add up all of your bad. The grace of God is what makes your heart pure. You don't make it pure. You work to keep it pure, but he makes it pure. So today, I'm just reminding you, God is bigger than your bad. I don't know that I've ever been affected, even by family, by this death like I've been affected this week. I can't explain it. I've had people much closer to me pass. But this just, and I'm gonna tell you, the enemy is a liar. He did not win with my buddy Greg. And by everything we can do here at True Life, he's not gonna win with you. God's gonna win. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Maybe you're here today and you just keep putting off, putting off, putting off. This life is short, folks. It really is. We none have guarantees. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you would like to today, would you just... Lift your hand real quick. I want to pray for you. Anybody at all. If you're here today and you're struggling with you don't know my bad and you constantly condemn yourself because you don't think you measure up and you say, that's me today, Pastor. Could you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? Amen. 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 
I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. Pastor Amanda's coming out. She's got some instructions and she's going to also pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray for those that lifted their hands or those that needed to. Lord, your grace, you said, is sufficient. And when it comes to purity, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you in heaven. I want to see my friend. But I also want to see you here, Lord. I want to see you in other people. I want to see you in nature. I want to see you, God, when I open the word. Not just read words, but see you in the word. I want to apprehend you, God. I, 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 want, to, I want to understand so, Lord, I just speak grace over each and every person, God, that lifted their hands. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much.